Um, but today, I just wanted to say that we have a very special tree. During the holiday season, um, people come and go, as we know. And um, one of the great gifts that we have today is a couple who has come back to the Chicago area. Uh, many of you um, knew uh, Michael and Leah McReevy uh, whenever they were here as part of the uh, church. And uh, since that time, they have been able to move to Colorado. And Michael is now working with a ministry called Forge in preparation for them both going and us being their sending church to working in the Middle East, um, spreading the good news of Jesus Christ to unreached people groups. And so uh, Michael has uh, given us the great benefit of uh, delivering the word to us today. Um, but um, I want you to know, well, I won't steal his thunder. I'll let you tell the good news. So uh, Mike, if you would come up and if we could give a round of applause to Michael McGreevy, please. All right. It is good to be back here. Uh, you know, I was talking to someone that said Chicago doesn't feel like home for me. I love the nature a little too much. I love to be on the mountains and I love to hike and uh, just be out in God's creation. But uh, um, being at Second City is home. And uh, we, we walked in this morning and it just felt like we were right back where uh, we really, Lee and I um, met at Moody and uh, while we were students there. And this was really our church home as a family. And uh, uh, it's just, it's great to be back, great to be with you guys. A lot of you guys know us and know what God's been doing in our life. And um, we're just excited to be able to share with you guys today. So um, give you a little bit about uh, who we are. Um, as he said, we're hoping to go overseas in a few years. And uh, this is my wife here. Uh, and then our little daughter, Millie. Uh, introduce them before Millie goes back to the, to the child care. Um, but... Uh, we, uh, we have the opportunity and, and really the, the privilege and the calling that God's given us to be able to go serve in the Middle East. And uh, we, God spoke this to me when I was literally 16 years old, um, a long time ago now, and uh, a lifetime ago. And uh, it's something that, you know, I, I, at the time I didn't think, uh, I had no idea how it happened. I didn't know what would go into that. Um, but it was something that I felt God speak a long time ago. And uh, just kind of trotting the course of, of, okay, God, well, if this is something you want, then you're going to have to make this happen, and I'm just going to keep taking steps of faith along the way. Um, and I met this amazing woman, and uh, I said, okay, well, I've dated a lot of people, and I've been in a lot of relationships. I was even engaged before her, and I said, you know what I learned through all of this was that I need someone who is on the same mission from God and has the same calling as I do. And... Uh, Leah and I, um, it, it was amazing how God brought her. It was just um, incredible. I mean, it is truly a, an act of God's grace um, in my life that uh, he brought someone who has the same call and, and the same vision uh, to serve God and serve his people and, and serve his kingdom in this world and to see the unreached reached. Um, and that's really what drives us is we want to see the people who don't know Christ, who don't know his love, who don't know his grace and his mercy, who don't have that relationship, who don't have that foundation that they can lean on. Um, that's, that's our goal. We want to see people reached. And uh, I was talking uh, earlier um, to a few of you, and um, we were talking about the, the statistics for uh, the unreached in the Middle East. And uh, the first... Uh, the, the first statistic that, uh, you know, I, I learned this from a Joshua Project. Um, if you guys have never heard of Joshua Project, they kind of are tracking and mapping the um, spread of the gospel throughout the world. Um, and one of the statistics from their website is that there's one worker for every 300,000 Muslims in the world. 
one worker for every 300,000 Muslims in the world. And uh, it's the largest of all of the different faiths uh, that, uh, as far as that disparity existing. So uh, the next is Buddhism, which is 170,000 to one. So uh, there's a huge need. Um, in the place that we're looking to go in the Middle East, uh, it has about 87% of the population has never met a Christian before. And that verse, uh, and, and really this is why, one of the reasons that we love Forge so much and why we have the opportunity to partner with Forge and, and uh, why we share just a, such a common vision with them is uh, we see that the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. The harvest is so big and it's ready, but there's no one who's going. And we're not just talking about overseas. Obviously, that's a part of it. That's a huge part of it. It's a, it's a huge need, but even here in the U.S. Um, and and uh, seeing the, the need that we have here in the U.S. for the gospel to go out on a daily basis in your workplaces, in your churches, even in, in how we serve in the church and how we serve in our workplace, how we serve at school and wherever we might go, it's, it's a huge need. It's a huge field. And uh, God is, is calling us to go. And um, so as I share with you guys today, I want to share a little bit about who Forge is. Forge has a very singular purpose. Uh, their, their theme verse is the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. And so they have a few different uh, ways that they go about seeing laborers raised up. The first is they have a 25-person speaking team that travels all over the country and all over the world speaking in churches and events and conferences, giving high-impact, high-quality just phenomenal messages to raise up people to go into the, into the field. Um, I'm not one of those speakers, okay? Um, I am not a professional speaker. The last time I've, I've uh, gotten to speak was uh, four years ago when I was a youth pastor, um, 2015, uh, so a little longer than four years ago now, actually. And um, this is the first time my wife will get to hear me speak as well uh, since we've been married. Um, this is her first time getting to hear me uh, share the word on a Sunday. But... Um, Forge, uh, Forge has their traveling speaking team, so if you're looking for what their speaking team sounds like, don't use me as a gauge. Use them. They're phenomenal. You'll get to hear a little bit from one of them later. Um, but uh, the other way we do that is through our training and equipping programs. So we don't only try and mobilize people because so much of the church needs to be mobilized into serving God and into daily walk with Him. We also want to come alongside those people who want that, but they just don't know where to start or where to go next or what to do. And they don't have those, in their minds, they think they don't have the skills. Well, we love to come alongside people and, and show them and help them discover who they are in Christ and show them that God placed them in a very unique situation in their life, in their family, in their relationships, in their network, in their friends, in their workplace. Right where you're at right now, God has you in a very unique part of the field. And he's hoping, and he's, we're praying, all of us are praying for you to step into that and serve him and to share his goodness with the world. Um, and, uh, and so they, uh, they have a couple of different uh, training programs. Um, when I was a youth pastor, this is actually how I got um, connected with Forge, is I started bringing my youth group to Deep Camp. It's a uh, multi-generational uh, camp uh, where we bring in all of our speakers from all over the place, and they come together in Colorado. So you're in the mountains of Colorado, and uh, you get a week of just incredible teaching because each, they, they each take a different session, and, 
and uh, just phenomenal preaching all week long, and you go away just really have an opportunity to, one, network with other Christians and other people who are really laboring for God. Um, there's a lot of people who are laboring for God, but they just don't have a network to connect to, and it's an opportunity for them. But it's also um, to just hear some really amazing preaching. And as a youth pastor, I'd go, and uh, I got fed, I think, more than my kids did a lot of times because uh, I got to also step away from being the primary um, supervisor of my students and let the one of the other training and equipping programs that we have at Forge um, would take over while I was there and, and do the counseling and, and uh, kind of overseeing of the students in, in their daily lives. So that was the other thing that uh, Forge does is the experience that's a young adult program. We have these flyers on the back table outside, but the experience is for young adults, it's a two-month program during the summer um, for uh, 18 to 35-ish. Um, we make exceptions to that rule because sometimes God's doing awesome things and we want to be able to uh, be sensitive to that. Uh, but uh, one, year out of, one year out of high school is kind of the entry um, barrier. And uh, I went through that personally after I stepped down from being a youth pastor, um, and it changed my life. I mean, just the, you know, I'd been serving in ministry for five years, and um, I grew up a son of a, youth, uh, son of a pastor in, in, in the church and in ministry my entire life. And uh, what God did in those two months has totally changed the tra trajectory of my life. And it really, I mean, I wouldn't have met Leah if I didn't go on that two summers because the last thing I ever wanted to do was go back to Moody after I had left um, in uh, 2010. Um, I did not want to go back. I, I did not enjoy the school system in general. And so uh, going back was really a step of faith for me. I was also at the time $80,000 in debt because of medical expenses that my insurance wouldn't cover. I stepped out in faith. It's amazing just the, the route that God took me on to, to get me here today. And that was all because I just said yes to God. And that, that experience really set me up to be able to say those yeses um, and really put me into that intimacy with God that made me trust him in that way. Um, we also have a high school program for high school students uh, called Surge. And it's kind of a, a smaller version of the experience in some ways. It also, it's very much standalone, but uh, um, it gives you some uh, extreme opportunities to, to get out into the God's creation and stretch yourself a little bit if you're a high school student and also uh, um, really answer uh, some questions about who, who you are in Christ, what is God calling you to do, and how do you reach your friends um, at your school. And uh, that's designed for high school students, and it's a phenomenal program. One of my best friends, actually one of my old students from my youth group who um, his life was radically changed. He's the leading that now. So um, if you're like us and you're looking at going to a place that really is difficult to reach, um, you know, uh, the, the places in the world that are very closed off and uh, very dangerous, um, we actually have a training program for those people as well called Stranded. Um, and uh, it, there's these little cards here. You can grab one of those in the back. But Stranded is uh, it's a program designed to give you an extreme missions experience. So it combines survival training, including, well, I'll just leave it at that. I don't want to spoil it if anyone actually decides to do it. But let's just say that you will come out um, the other side feeling a burden for the people in this world who are lost and having had one of the most trying and difficult experiences of your life um, out in the Nebraska um, wilderness, we'll say. And uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's incredible how, uh, you know, they, they take you to your breaking point and they show you who you are at your breaking point and they, they 
partner, um, really they partner uh, all these security and safety trainings with being on mission still, which is a really cool combination of getting to, to reach a people at the same time as you're seeking to get trained up and, and prepared if you're going to a drug cartel or you're going to North Korea or some of these places that you could likely end up um, captive and or in a really difficult situation. So um, with all that, uh, we'll jump into the word here. If you guys have your Bibles with you, open up to Exodus 3, because that's where we're going to spend the majority of today is in Exodus uh, 3 and 4. Um, and, uh, you know, to give you a little bit more background about me, just for a minute here, um, we all have these heroes in, in Scripture, right? Uh, my, my heroes probably are like Joseph or Abraham, because, you know, one, they're probably, in my opinion, the ones who did really well. <laughs> and I would love to be, like, relatable to them, but the reality is, is that I, I can't relate to either of those guys quite as much as I would like to. I, I love everything that they did. I mean, you look at Joseph's life, and it's like, man, this guy just patient through trial and suffering and pain and everything. Uh, that's not me. Um, I'm probably a little bit more like Moses, where like I, I'm working and I'm trying to get stuff done, and then all of a sudden I see something not getting done, I'm like, smack the rock with the stick. Um, you know, just like, okay, I'm going to do it myself, and I'm going to do it my way, and I'm going to get it done, right? Um, Moses is someone who I relate to on a regular basis because I think He's just very real to me. I, I can see his emotion as I read through his story in the Bible and how God used him and where God took him. I can see that he was a guy who, who wanted comfort and he enjoyed where he was at, but God called him out of that and said, nope, you don't get to stay there. I've got a plan for you. Um, and, uh, you know, his story is, he, you know, he was raised in Egypt and then he ran away after trying to, he saw a need and he tried to fix it in the, in the flesh in his own way. Um, you know, sometimes when we try and do things for God, we do things, we try and fix injustices in this world, but we do it with our own strength and our own training and our own power, our own might. Uh, it ends up damaging people and hurting people. Um, when it's led in Christ, it looks a lot different. And so he, he tries to fix this issue of the oppression in, in Israel by lashing out and killing an Egyptian guard, right? And all that led to was the Israelites not trusting him either. And uh, he had to flee the, flee the Egyptians and, and go into the wilderness, and God took care of him. He met his wife there, and he had a kid there, and he had this wonderful life all of a sudden that he just kind of stumbled into, right? Um, and he gets to be a shepherd, and, and then one day he's walking in the wilderness, and he sees this giant flaming bush, and like any person on this earth who would see a flaming bush that wasn't being burned, probably even if it was being burned, we'd still stop to look at it. Um, but this bush that's not being consumed by this crazy fire, is, huh, I'm going to turn aside and see what's going on here. This is really interesting. What, uh, I'm going to investigate this. Is there something special about this bush? What? And that's when God calls him, right? That's when God calls him. Um, you see that uh, when the Lord saw that he had turned aside to see, God called, called him out of the bush, Moses, Moses, and he said, here I am. And uh, in verses uh, 7, you see that God says, uh, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their suffering. So what God says is, I know your heart for the Egyptian people and the Israelite people. I see the captivity that is already naturally there in you. 
you know, God placed that in there in him already, and he didn't know what to do with it or how to, how to go about it. And he says, I see that, and my heart's burdened for that too. Right now, any one of you could probably name a, a, a social issue or a justice issue or something like that going on in our world, and you want to make an impact in that area. You want to make um, things better for, for people who are being oppressed for, for people who are captive, for people who are sick. Um, you want to see people who don't know Christ reached. Um, you have that burden. And that's a burden that God has placed in you. It's a good thing. But our sin nature corrupts that, right? And uh, it, it, how we go about approaching that gets corrupted. And so God relates to Moses and says, I see your desire, your passion, your heart. But uh, Moses, at this point in his life, says, I, I do have this passion. I do have this thing. And uh, I, uh, I, I am kind of enjoying my life right now. I just had a kid. I have a wife. I'm living with my in-laws, and they actually like me. Um, it's pretty good right now. I don't have a lot of burdens. I don't have to think about a lot of things. You know, food's taken care of. I mean, we're shepherds, for goodness sake. So uh, there's not a whole lot of need right now. I'm just enjoying my life. And uh, we see that he goes through these excuses, okay? And that's what we're going to talk about today is these excuses because I think that while I relate to him really well in, like, the entirety of his story, I think that these excuses are pretty universal for all of us as followers of Christ. And just in general in life, these excuses are are they're uh, constantly nagging at us. And we get to see how God responds to these excuses in this passage. So if you would look with me, um, Exodus 3, and we're going to start in uh, verse 11 with the first excuse. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? The first excuse, who am I? Right now in, in America, anxiety and depression are on the rise, right? We have this huge issue with identity crisis where people are on social media presenting an entirely different person than who they are in reality. And we're all thirsting for authenticity. When we find someone who's authentic, we're like, oh, I, I want to latch on to that person and learn from them. And they're, they're contagious. And it doesn't even matter if we like who they are. We just like that they're authentic a lot of times when they're real. And uh, we're seeing this throughout all of culture. You know, uh, an authentic person has charisma because they're willing to be who they are on screen and off. Um, that question, who am I? God has a huge, huge burden for it and a huge answer for it. Um, let me uh, get here. Uh, my notes pulled up again. Um, so we see that, uh, it's, and, and the response that God gives here um, is that he says to him, I will be with you. So we like to think that, okay, well, I have this huge issue. I want to make this, I want to make this huge impact on the world. I want, to, I want to free people from human trafficking, we'll say, okay? But who am I? I'm an American. I, you know, I'm a white middle-class American who raised in a Christian family and never seen much hardness in my entire life. Who am I that I can make a difference in this place? God says it's not about you. It's about who's with you. 
the answer to that question, who am I, is not who are you, it's who's with you. God is going with you in these things. God is going before you in these things. And this is his first answer. We think about like all these, we're trying to tackle all these anxieties and all these different things that are coming up in our life. We're trying to tackle debt. We're trying to tackle, uh, you know, staying successful and, and kind of achieving the American dream maybe for some people. And, and the reality is it's not about what we're going to do. It's about what God's going to do. Moses already tried to do things his way. And he killed a man. At this point, he's not the answer. God is. And when we go to seek God's kingdom coming to earth, we have to start with God and stop saying, who am I? And start saying, who's with me? And remember who God is. God says, I'll be with you and I'm going to prove myself to you. Then, Moses says, if I come to the people of Israel uh, and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what's his name? What shall I say to them? So he said, okay, I believe you're with me, but what if other people don't believe you're with me? What am I supposed to tell them? The next question he's asking is not who am I anymore, but who are you? Who are you, God? And to be perfectly honest, I think that Moses was a little confused by too. Sure, he's, he's seeing this flaming bush, and he's seeing this really awesome thing. He's seeing the power of God um, exhibited in this, in this great display right in front of him. But what we see God do is God says, okay, you need evidence of who I am. One, I am the I am. All those stories you've heard throughout history, the same God that has been, is, and will continue to be. So the, the stories we read in Scripture these aren't just for the past. We are living in a time where the word is still living and active in our current day. God is still moving in our current day. And we cannot detach ourselves and say, well, those are special times, those are special events, those are special things that happen. I can tell you countless stories that I've heard. The stuff that's happening in the Middle East right now with people having visions and revelations and being told, go talk to this person you've never met before, never talked before, like how Paul was sent um, to, when he was Saul to, to, to have his blindness removed. That same thing is happening today all the time. It's incredible. Um, you know, just the, the stories that are coming out from all over the world um, of what God is doing. And even here in the U.S., the things that God is setting people free from is, is phenomenal. We have the same God today as we've had in the past. And as we read Scripture and we have the intimacy with Scripture, it's something that God lays in our hearts. We need to embrace that. We need to embrace what God is saying He is in Scripture. And through Him, again, through Him, this work will be accomplished. Who do we serve? We serve the one true God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That's what God says. One true God. We put up a lot of gods in our life. We put presidents on a pedestal, maybe, or we put politicians on a pedestal, or we put celebrities on a pedestal. The reality is, or, or we might put our jobs on a pedestal, the reality is that there's one God. And that one God is the only solution that will ever last. All these other solutions, we can vote them in, we can, we can change jobs, whatever. We can go support this organization or all these things. It all comes back to one thing, one God, and seeking him and hearing his voice. So 
He says, listen to me. My voice is speaking to you right now. I am who I am. That's what God says. And he says, okay, well, so you are who you are. Uh, but uh, how do I trust your word? So we have, who am I? Who are you, God? And then when God speaks to us, we say, well, how can I trust what you're saying? How can I hear and trust and, and act on this? Because I don't know if this is coming from you or from my subconscious or from you know, the upbringing that I've had or, or all these things. And, and God says, well, okay, I'll prove it to you. Um, we see that he has these miracles that he, he brings and um, he has a staff that he does these miraculous things. But what's funny that God says, he's like, yeah, they might believe this. They might believe that. They might see a miraculous thing just like you're seeing a miraculous thing right now, Moses. But they might not believe still because that's what we're prone to do is not believe. We're not prone to act when we see these evidences. We're not prone to, to, to take action. And so he says, you know, you could turn that staff into a snake and you can put your hand in your coat and turn it into a leprous hand and then put it back in and take it back out and all of a sudden you're healed again. And you can put water on the ground and it'll turn to blood. doesn't matter. They'll probably still not believe you. And that's kind of the way I want it because we're going to get my people out of there. God has a plan. He has a mission. He knows the failures are going to come in your life and in your ministry and in your workplace and in your family. These failures are going to happen. He says, I'm with you through it. Trust me through it. Stand on the word. Walk in the word and be intimate with it because that's what's going to carry you through these difficult times. Um, back in 2015, after I went on the experience, I ended up, like I said, I was in debt $80,000. I ended up having an emergency um, gallbladder remover, removal. And uh, I had pancreatitis from um, passing gallstones. Um, they kind of came up suddenly. I didn't have like a history of this or anything. And the insurance company that I had said, well, that was a pre-existing condition. I'd never been diagnosed with it, but it was a pre-existing condition, they said, and they didn't want to cover anything. And uh, so I'm looking at this emergency surgery to save my life. Um, and there, there was no way to pay for it. So when I came, went to go back to Moody, and I heard God speak, go back to Moody. I said, okay, well, I'm going to apply, but uh, I'm not sure I'm going to get back in. Moody's a pretty hard school to get into. I'm not going to uh, have money. Um, it doesn't matter that it's a tuition-paid school because it's still not cheap to live in Chicago. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, the, the, that level of debt was just something that uh, there was really no way for me to pay it at that time. And God paid my school in cash. One dollar at a time. It was incredible. And uh, seeing, uh, seeing just that, that faithfulness that he had in my life was remarkable. And when I was also on the experience, another thing happened to me. Um, I had never really experienced God speaking um, in a very real and audible way to me. I have heard of that happening. I've, I've heard of it happening to people. And um, it wasn't something that I had grown up in and it wasn't something that I had ever experienced. And so it was one of those things to say, oh, yeah, you know, like, I think that uh, healing probably could happen. I think that God does heal people sometimes, and I think that God does speak to people uh, very, very, you know, directly sometimes. But uh, I don't know. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if that really is my experience. And so I'll just let that be there, and I'll be here, and we'll just call it good, right? And I'll just kind of not deal with it. Well, 
I had the opportunity when I was in uh, Honduras. We uh, went down to Honduras for a few weeks and, and worked with uh, um, some of the people who were in the jungle who are uh, just really uh, remote. Um, and really the only interaction they have with other people is the drug cartels who sometimes use them for slave labor, sometimes uh, just really treat them poorly. And um, we, uh, while I was down there, um, before I left, uh, we, we had this moment where we just prayed for God to give us kind of a vision of something in our mind that uh, might happen while we're down there. And just, so I said, okay, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to play along with this. I'm going to play along with this, see where it goes. And uh, I saw this little boy sitting next to a brick wall, red brick wall, and uh, had some tin, tin shedding behind him and some tin roofs. And, and I just saw this picture of this little boy, and he was wearing, strangely enough, Bronco colors, uh, bright orange and bright blue, right? And uh, I'm sorry, I'm from Colorado. Um, and uh, with that, I'm like, okay, well, that was weird. I don't know what this means. Uh, but I'll just tuck it back into the back of my head, and if something ever happens, maybe I'll act on it, right? Um, I go down there, and we're there, and we've been there almost two weeks now. We're about to head back home, and uh, we're on the top of this beautiful lookout. And I haven't, I haven't seen anything. I'm at this point, I'm thinking, well, that's still not my experience, but it doesn't really matter. This has been a wonderful overall experience. I've gotten to see God do some really cool stuff down here. And then I turn around, my whole, my whole team is taking a, a group photo on this overlook that's just gorgeous backdrop. And I turn around and I see this boy sitting over there uh, on, the, on a brick wall. And uh, I, uh, I look over, I'm like, whoa, it hits me. Like, that's the kid. Oh my gosh. Um, never had happened to me in, in my life, that, like, that, that vividness. And so uh, I'm like, okay, well, I don't speak any Spanish whatsoever, except for like uh, chequeleque panqueque, which means okie-dokie pancake, is what I was told. Um, that was uh, one of their sayings that they'd tell me. And um, <laughs> uh, so I walk over to this boy, and I don't speak any Spanish, and I sit down next to him, and I try and talk English to him first, and he's like, this is a stranger, and you know, I'm pretty sure stranger danger is almost universal. So he's like, this dude's, what, what does this guy want? And he just looks at me, and I'm trying to talk to him, and he's not hearing anything. And I'm like, okay, well, I don't know what this is about. Um, and then this guy who's sitting with his wife and his sister-in-law and their kid um, is about 10 feet away from us. He hears me talking, and no one down there where we were at spoke English at all. And in perfect English, I, I hear this voice, you're not from around here, are you? I said, uh, we gave that away. <laughs> the, the face, the, the beard, <laughs> none of the, no. Um, and I, he's, he's like, you're not from around here, over, come over, talk with us. And so he invites me over and I sit down and I was thinking that I was going to have this awesome opportunity to share the gospel with this guy. What I didn't realize is that it was the exact opposite of that, is that while I was down there, I had created this long list of uh, prayer requests and uh, things that I was talking with God about, kind of this ongoing list, right? Like some of you guys probably have an ongoing prayer journal that you're, you're constantly updating and going back and reading what God's done. If you don't, do it because it's incredible um, to see what God's done and how God answers prayer. And this guy literally starts going down my list and giving me advice in different areas of my life and, and things that I had been praying about. And like, I hadn't shared this with anyone. I mean, no one. My team didn't know my prayer list. No one. And this guy, just out of nowhere, completely random in the middle of Honduras on this mountaintop, 
started speaking to me, and I'm like, it, it just spoke to my soul. It was incredible. Um, God proved himself to me. He was not trying to get me to, to prove myself or to prove that he was endorsing my work or anything. Literally, all that was about was him saying, I do work this way. You just haven't seen it this way, and that's because it hasn't been a part of your story yet. Not that I can't, not that I won't. It's just that this is for you, Michael, to see who I am. And God showed himself to me, revealed himself to me in that way, and it was incredible. Um, Moses doubts God's word. The Israelites are going to doubt God's word. We will sometimes doubt God's word in our life. We need to cling to it. We need to hold to it and make sure that we do not doubt that because that is what is our plumb line. That is what connects us and links us to him. Uh, when everything else goes wrong, we have the scriptures to fall back on. It's the best comforter that we could ever have, and it's the best mobilizer, the best encourager, um, and the, the best strategizer we could ever have. It was the word of God. So Moses, in good fashion, this is not a three-point sermon, goes on to his next excuse. Uh, excuse number four that he comes up with, he says, well, you know, okay, so I, I know that it's not who am I, and I know it's not, you know, you, and I, you are who you are, and I, okay, I'll stop doubting your word, and they'll, they'll, I'll trust that they'll do what you say they're going to do, and I've seen some cool things now, but I don't have skills. I'm not really like the most eloquent speaker, and I'm not that great at this. And uh, what's incredible about this is that God loves to take people who are ill-equipped and ill-prepared for things and shove them into it. If there's a consistency throughout Scripture, that's something that's consistent in Scripture, is that God likes to take people who are not prepared for what he has for them and to push them into it and say, live into this. We see in, uh, in Luke 10, uh, where he sends out the 72, he says, don't take money, don't take your staff, don't take an extra cloak, just go. Stop overthinking all the details. Stop trying to get your, your finances or your, your family or all these different things in order and just go. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Go. And watch what happens. That idea that we need to be the perfect, picture-perfect person to, to be the most eloquent speaker or we need to have the perfect example of like how to share the gospel and use some cookie-cutter thing or whatever it is. Honestly, if I learned one thing from my apologetics class at Moody is that people really don't care about facts as much as they care about the heart of the story and what God's doing in your life. And uh, if you share your story, it's incredible the impact that you'll have. Just share what God's done in your life. What's the last thing, what's the last prayer that he answered for you? Talk to him about it. Ask him, God, what would you have me share? Is there a story from my life that you'd have me share with people? Is there something that happened this week? We're in a season of thanksgiving, right? And we have all these things. Hopefully you took a chance to, to actually think about what you're thankful for this week because there's so much we have to be thankful for living here in this country and, and the freedoms and, and the, the finances that we have here in this country and um, you know, as you travel the world, you see just absolute poverty. And it's incredible to think for just a second, like, wow, somehow God gave me this life that just in comparison um, is really, truly blessed in so many ways. And uh, 
that brings, uh, that brings us to the final point here, um, because we have so much going for us here. And it really doesn't matter where, what our background story is here in the U.S. If we're in the U.S., we're still in the top percent of the world as far as income and as far as comforts and as far as uh, not being hungry and having access to food and clean water and bathrooms. And I mean, it's incredible. Our, our homeless population is wealthier than a majority of the international population, okay? Um, and uh, their, their income that they get just from begging on the streets is truly massive in compared to a lot of the world and what other people live on. And the excuse that Moses gives, okay, so you fixed, you've answered all my other excuses. He says, well, I don't want to. He says, oh, my Lord, please send someone else. At this point, he's gone through all of this stuff. And he says, just, just don't use me, okay? I care about this, and I care about people, and I care about what God's doing. Don't use me. Just, like, use my brother. You just said he was good at this, right? Like, you just said he's a good speaker, so why don't you just use my brother? Um, we don't want to. That's, that's really our final excuse at the end of the day. We don't want to use uh, this calling that God's given us, this opportunity that God's placed us in. We don't want to. Our complacency, it frustrates God. And we see the response that God had for Moses. Then the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. This idea that uh, God doesn't care about our complacency, he cares. He really does. And our answer to say, I don't want to, it's not an answer that he's ready to accept. We also think that we're sitting in this life of, of you know, we're, we're protecting our social uh, network and we're, we're protecting our, our friendships and relationships by not breaching some of these things that God has burdened us to breach. And by his guidance and by his leadership and in his spirit with his fruit, we, we think we're being safe. We think we're maintaining these relationships. We think that we're, we're walking in a way that uh, wouldn't anger or offend anyone or whatever it is. The reality is it's not that safe. Um, we're looking at going over to the Middle East, and uh, one, of the, one of the main questions I get asked is, well, you have a wife now, and you have a kid, and we have another kid on the way um, that's uh, due in February. And uh, one of the questions I get asked all the time is, how are you going to stay safe? And I mean, when I answer that question, I think, well, uh, we have safety training and we have these courses I have to go through and I've already been through courses and we've already been over there and the agency that we're going with has a huge presence in the area and, and all these different things. I, you know, I could answer them a number of ways, but the reality is being in God's will is where you should be. And we see in Scripture, think Jonah, think even just after this passage when Moses doesn't follow through and get circumcised and God comes to kill him. It's dangerous when you're not in the will of God. And if God has spoken his will into your life, you need to approach that prayerfully and say, God, what would you have me do? That could be serving in this church. Truly, at that level, it could just be that. It could be in some workplace environment, God's called you to share with a, with a coworker or to support an organization financially, or to maybe, just like us, go to a place that 
there aren't people going. Go to a place where the gospel has yet to reach. God is calling you to something. He's placed something on your heart. He's burdened you with something. And I just want to take a second here um, and, and pray and, and just give us a minute to really talk to God in quiet and in, in, in the calm of a moment. Just really say, God, what is it in my life that I'm not willing to give up for you? What is it in my life that I haven't surrendered? What is it in my life that is my couch? What's my sofa? Uh, I used to play a video game called EverQuest, and uh, uh, it was one of the first original massive multiplayer online RPGs, and um, I would play this thing all the time, and I justified the time I spent in this game because I made money, and this is an old game, but I still made money playing it. I was really good at it, and, and uh, I, you know, I was able to tell my parents, well, just leave me alone because I'm, I'm paying bills by playing this game. Well, there was a command in game you could type that, that told you how many hours you had spent in game. And uh, one day, you know, it had been quite a while, I'd been playing this game since I was in junior high, I typed it. And uh, I saw that I had over 500 in game days played. Over a year and a half of my life, I spent playing a video game. And it was a wake up call to me. There's probably something in your life that, that God is calling you to, and he might have already spoken it to you, but I want to take a minute and just talk to God and ask God, what is it that you're calling me to, and what is it that I need to give up? What is it that I have not surrendered to you yet? If God just revealed to you or if you're feeling that conviction that there is a, a sofa in your life, a, a comfort zone in your life that you haven't surrendered or an activity or an event, um, or if you feel like God has spoken a, 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 a renewed calling into your life, um, and a renewed passion that he's placed on your heart for a certain people or a certain place or a certain need, um, if, if that's something you feel like God has, has spoken to you today, would you guys just raise your hands? Would you stick your hand up? Awesome. And raise them up real high, real quick. I just want people to, you can raise your hands, you can, you can look around. I, I, God is speaking in this room right now. God is here speaking to us in this room. Um, I just want to pray to wrap us up. Um, we will be here after the service, but 
I would love to hear what your guys' uh, sofa is. I would love to hear what your guys' um, vision that God's giving you for who, who or what or where God might be placing on your heart. So would Rollin, so would Cole, so would anyone who regularly attends here, honestly. Uh, but I want us to go today, I want us to leave here being mobilized. I want us to leave here being ready to take action, to ready, ready to pursue what that next step may be. And the beauty is, is you have a church that is all about that. I mean, if you know anything about Rollin, you know that his passion is to see the, the unsaved and the unreached and the unchurched in Chicago get saved, get reached, get churched. Find the amazing blessing that God is. You guys have that here. I would encourage you to plug in, to seek them out, and to really seek out the community that's here and to dive into that because this is where God can use you right now in this moment, and that can be a great next step on the way to whatever you guys are looking to do. So let me pray and close this out, and uh, um, we will... uh, I don't know if there's announcements about baptism or anything like that. So, uh, some, Okay, there's some music. Um, let me pray for us. Father God, uh, we just thank you so much for who you are. And Lord, we, we thank you that it isn't about us, that it isn't our strengths, it isn't our, um, our wiring, it isn't our, um, our build or anything like that, that that enables us to be able to serve you. And God, help us to overcome when we want to say no. Help us to overcome our our comfort that we experience on a regular basis. Help us to to take some of the time back from from Netflix and from Facebook and from conversations and work and all these things that are drawing us away from you and drawing us away from this mission that you've called us to, God. Help us just to reclaim our lives, to live on purpose and on fire for you. We love you, God, and we just pray that you would do a mighty work walking from here today. We pray this in your son's name. Amen.